your host Jen and I am your other host Joyce oh my gosh here we are here we are we got it right we I got know it one right of, one of these days you're gonna say you're Joyce and then, and then I'm gonna know. Say I'm you know Jen. what I I do feel like that phase in my life has passed because oh, the past right. two times I haven't felt that weird itch to say that I'm <laughs> Joyce um so I don't know what that's about I get I mean okay wait total like I'm hard segueing away uh, it's just in terms of like weird things happening and noticing things. So, yeah. you know, I had that itch where I wanted to say I was Joyce, but there's two other things that have happened recently. And I'm wondering Uh-oh. if it means something. Okay. One, I keep on looking at clocks when all of the numbers are <gasps> the same at the time. So like two, I two, love two, this two, stuff. Okay. Three, mm-hmm. three, three, mm-hmm. three. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what it keeps happening. And then there's another weird trend. And I don't know what this means. And I feel like my therapist isn't going to necessarily entertain me asking about this. I have in the past week been seeing three stray or like loose dogs that were clearly people's dogs roaming around the streets. And I tried to catch all of them and I was unsuccessful, but I just thought that that was weird. I've seen three separate sets of dogs, two of which were huskies. Uh, I don't know. On multiple days you're saying? Multiple days, yeah. Whoa! Mm. So those were, mm-hmm. and, and then, and I will say, at that time, that was also when I had the itch to keep on introducing myself as Joyce. So maybe that is all tied together. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so I love. I know about the numbers thing. I know that like okay. they're like they're called like angel numbers or something like that. Where if you see like the same numbers, um, like two two two, three three three, or like the one that I see a lot is one two three four. Like I'm, oh. I always look at the phone when it says like 1234, right? Um, and then lately it's been like 555, right? But I don't mm-hmm. see all the other ones as much, but you're saying you do? I see the twos, the threes, and the fours. Ooh, I wonder what it means. Wait, so they're called angel numbers? They're, I, th- that's what I looked it up. And then they're like a lot of places will call it angel numbers, um, but uh, – but, yeah, like I think they're associated with like different meanings based off of like whatever okay. I've read, but I don't know. Like it's probably like coming from numerology, yeah, what, like what have you, all that. But um, but yeah. So I'm I'm curious what two 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 means and three 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 means. I'll have to look it up later. And all these stray dogs. I know, I know, but you don't see the stray dogs anymore. I haven't in a couple of days, which is really good for my mental health because when I can't catch them or return them to their owner. It's yeah. very sad and I hate that. But these yeah. huskies, I swear, huskies just live their own life. Huskies are always escaping and they're just walking around like, hey, I just got stuff to do. Like, don't bother <laughs> me. And yeah, so I – but I – but yeah, that that has faded. But also a new moon just happened. I th- I'm feeling very like – Oh. All of this stuff's happening. A new moon yeah. in Cancer. Wait, cancer, you're in Aries, yeah. aren't you? Or you're a Libra? Yeah, I, I heard there's some. I'm in Aries, so I'm I'm hearing there's some big stuff happening. To big me. stuff is happening to you. Yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't know what yet because they're like oh starting like on the 17th, which was yep. yeah yeah a few days, days ago. ago. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, oh man, we'll see. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think it's like big time stuff for you right now. Uh, like, uh, it's your time to shine. You're the star. You're the actress in the. Oh the no! I no, I'm I'm segueing hard. Oh no! Okay. <laughs> okay. I feel like that's a good good way to segue over um, because we have a guest that has a lot of skills and we can't wait to talk to her more about it. So let's go ahead and intro our guest, Minji. Yay. Yay. Hi, guys. Hi, Minji. Happy to join the combo. Hi. I was listening in on your conversation. I was like, oh, angel numbers. Oh, and the okay. new moon. I was like freaking out. <laughs> I, you know what? I, we, there's a, so the thing that we use, there's a chat uh, service on the side. And it has, for a moment, I saw like Minji is typing. And I'm like, I think Minji might enjoy the angel number talk. Like maybe this is, yeah, maybe this is resonating. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. It is a, it is like, uh, I'm, I'm super into, I'm like the chick with crystals. Oh, um, yes. yes, I have angel cards back there. So, Ooh. yeah, I, I think um, those are those are really cool things to have happen. I don't want to like over preach it, but when you start noticing them, they it's like a little bit of a it, it's it's kind of beckoning your attention for a reason, and it's cool to look into what it signifies. Oh and you gosh. know what's crazy is like this has nothing to even do with what you do. Uh, so, how about you tell us? Or maybe it does. I don't even know. Uh, what can you talk to us a little bit about what you do for a living? Absolutely, um, it does because it ties into like how I find reason and purpose and a lot of things. Oh, okay. But yeah. um, I am an actress. I'm an actress. I'm a fledgling filmmaker. I mean, director and writer, and I'm also a podcaster um, and producer. So I do. I'm a consummate multi hyphenate in the entertainment space. Um, I have a background working in like diversity in in Hollywood and entertainment media. And then prior to that, though, I was on track to be a doctor. And so it was a very big hard left turn that I took. I was studying biology and public health. And then I worked in uh, public health and in tech actually for a little bit up in the Bay Area before I, you know, flew into the wind. I was like, I'm going to spread my wings and fly and see what I can do in in entertainment. So, yeah. Gosh. Okay. Wait, I don't mean to just jump right into the big question, but what was the shift that happened that changed all of that and you went into entertainment? I think it was a number of things. Um, There were a lot of seeds planted when I was younger for like, I I loved school. I like really bless my parents. They're very lucky. They never have to like nag me about school because I really enjoyed it. I liked learning. Um, It was very Pavlovian. Like I was very incentivized to get the good grade. I was like, yes, Mm -hmm. I win. Um, (laughs) So that worked out for me. And then, but at the same time, so I was really academic and I also really loved arts and crafts and like um, musicals and plays and stuff, which I also did. So there's like Mm -hmm. the super artsy side to me that I was kind of aware of throughout my life. And I was going down the practical route to do the doctor thing because I really wanted to do it again. No one was pressuring me. I really wanted to um, potentially be an obstetrician. I wanted to help Mm. deliver babies or be a pediatrician. Um, so that would have been cool, but I was investigating that and shadowing doctors actually in high school because wow. I was really I'm pri- privileged to go to a great school um, that set up a program for like all of high school. But I realized I was like, I don't know if I would enjoy this whole clinical setting every single day. 
And then yeah. in the meantime, I was studying it and pursuing it. Um, but I had some like life situations, including a really, really difficult, uh, very abusive, bad relationship when I was uh, a teenager mm-hmm. that I think once I was really, I was fortunate enough to get out of that. It yeah. genuinely gave me kind of a new license for life. Like I, I felt like I had another shot to figure out who I am and is this what I want? And I think, you know, it was an awful time and I don't take away from anybody who's experienced abuse and, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's very scary to feel like you can't get out of it. Um, and I also think that like a lot of our life's challenges can create an opportunity for us to reevaluate and like feel empowered. You know, there's, it, there's, it's not, it's a multifaceted experience. Yeah. So I was really, really lucky and fortunate to have a second chance. And from there, I think that was genuinely the turning point to start asking different questions and yeah. kind of see, is this all I want? Is there more that I want? And I was surrounded by people who are encouraging. So got really lucky. <laughs> and I, I took that the all lead. happened to you while you were oh so young, though, it sounds like. Yeah. 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 The, the relationship was when I was 14 to 19. And it was someone that was much older than me like a lot yeah. older than me. It was it was very dangerous, Sorry. to be honest. Yeah. And, um, thank you. I, I, I think um, then the artist in me kind of wanted to strangely take what I learned from a scientific level. I'm really into the brain. I'm Anatomy yeah. physiology was just my favorite class. So I was yeah. very curious about how we function as humans and like what makes us tick and the neurotransmitters, serotonin, oxytocin, all this stuff. And then that's like the clinical side. And then Public health was like studying sociology and psychology and public health is like understanding – we know this because of COVID, like what public health is. But it's like understanding populations, the health yeah. of populations. Why do these people all here have depression? Why do these people mm. all have asthma? Why do these people – why is this age group so prone to like binge drinking and drunk driving? What are the mm-hmm. outcomes if we change seatbelt laws, stuff like that? So I still think – I argue this to my dad <laughs> to this day. I think he buys it at this point. But I was like, I'm applying my public health brain to art because my curiosity always lies in the human heart. Um, why do we do what we do? It does. Yeah. Things don't just happen in a vacuum. They don't happen randomly. We're very um, – if we dig, we can we – can, can discover and understand a lot about us as people and also see how we're so different and the same at the same time. Yeah, wow. that's so incredible. And so like yeah. like that connection with your your with your clinical side, your like public health interest um to your work now seems like mm-hmm. it, you have a lot of clarity on that, but like especially when you're starting off at such a young age and asking yourself the big questions. Like how did you go about like figuring that out? Was it just a lot of trial and error? Was there something that you were like drawn to? Did you feel an affinity to acting? Like tell us more about like that beginning part of your journey. That's a great question. Oh, wow. I love this. I get to, um, Joyce is good at questions. Funny. She's very good. (laughs) I love this. I'm learning. I'm learning as a podcaster from you, Joyce. I love this. I freaking love podcasting. It's so fun. Um, I've done 191 episodes and I'm still like always learning of how do I do this better? Um, oh my gosh, Jen, we have a ways to go. <laughs> yeah, it's, when I, it's, when a, I, it's so fun though. Have the have blast. I I was looking at your podcast uh, page, and in my mind, I saw that one ninety one, and to me, I was like, oh, is this like a different way of writing, like season one episode? Like, I in my mind, I was like, that can't be that many episodes. That's so many episodes. <laughs> I thought there was some like numerology, like, but um, wow, that's super impressive. 
Thank you. And prior to that, I was doing collaboration. Uh, There's a nonprofit that I was executive director of, and we had a collaboration podcast. So with that one, I did, I think, like between 180 and 200 with them. Oh so, my gosh. You I are talk so a lot. Prolific. That's amazing. <laughs> it's doing the reps. That's what I've also learned from anything. It's just like doing, yeah. doing the thing, anything um, yields the best progress. Like you can't yeah. think your way into getting better. You got to do it. Yeah. Um, but Sorry, to we, answer your question, we totally took you. Yeah. yeah. yeah go <laughs> first. A really good see, question. This good host, you brought it back. It's all good. Um, <laughs> I'd say, um, I think this is funny because it goes back to what we started with in terms of astrology. Um, I was aware that I'm a, I'm a cancer. My birthday was yesterday, actually. Um, yeah, that's oh, right. Happy birthday. birthday. Thank you. Um, so I had an inkling, like I read my astrology stuff when I was like, you know, a kid, middle school or whatever, looking in the newspapers or whatever's in like Time Magazine or something like that. And I think it gave me an indication like you're highly intuitive and sensitive and perceptive, which I do think for better or worse, you know, strength can be a weakness. I cry a lot. I'm very mm, like mm, really sensitive. Right. And my parents are like, okay, can you relax? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. Okay. It's in my stars. Leave me alone. And that only makes uh, you want to cry more when someone tells you to stop crying. I know. They're like, stop feeling. Stop thinking about the pink elephant. It doesn't work that way. Now I'm just thinking about pink elephants and wanting to cry. Um so anyway, um, so I had certain things, curiosities that were natural to me. So I had an awareness of what my tendencies might be. Then, mm-hmm. then it's like doing the thing. And like I noticed when I did plays and stuff that it came really natural to me. I was a really shy, shy, shy kid. I was scared of everything. I didn't want to try new foods. I didn't want to meet new people. But when it came to like playing make-believe, I was down. I was like, mm-hmm. where's my mark? Like where do oh I go? Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, I never like said it out loud, but inside I could, I was like really excited about that. And then, um, yeah, yeah so things like that, like I, I, it clocked it. And, um, when I did plays, I could learn lines quickly. I could learn everybody's lines. I could kind of oh, wow. in my head be like, okay, you're missing, go, go with your line. Like this is when, <laughs> when I'm like seven, seven years old and like yelling at my big brother, who's three years older than me. He's like 10 at the time. I was like, why don't you know your lines? Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? It's a simple thing. We're waiting for you. Mind. Yeah, it's really, really <laughs> basic. Um, so things like that gave me data. Like, oh, I like this. Um, I think I have a skill set. I'm, I, I notice like compared to others, this comes easier to me. And then stuff like that. So, and then knowing my personality, I'm like, okay, I'm really intuitive and emotional. So I think I get people's feelings a lot easier than some other people do. Mm-hmm. Um, people would be like, this X, Y, Z doesn't make sense. And I was like, it makes perfect sense to me. I get why yeah. they're upset. Why don't you? Um, and then people would tell me, I get the feedback. People would be like, oh, wow, like you're, you're so natural on stage. And, you know, I wouldn't be thinking of that. I'd just be in the moment, like doing mm-hmm. my thing. So little things like that, I think, fed my curiosity and definitely my ego. Um, <laughs> is this meant for me? Are the uh-huh. Hollywood lights calling for me? <laughs> um, and then, you know, all the messaging that you can hear when you're lucky enough to be around people that are telling you messaging like, hey, you know, dream big and, and what do you mm-hmm. want to do and what do you feel called to do? Getting asked those questions, you know, started to, you know, I was like, oh, I really do like science and I want to be a doctor. And also when I see, you know, like Forrest Gump, like I'm a big 90s kid, right? So I see like yeah. Titanic and I'm just so yeah. moved and and I'm just in awe of what people can do when they tell a really powerful story, like yeah. how much you can 
how like not just make people think, but you make people feel. And I was like, that's mm. superpower. So that was all like, I was just attentive to that. And then when I got my second chance at life, I was like, if I only get another shot, what is it that I want to do? You know, like I don't get to, I already gave up a lot. I was in a very controlling situation. Somebody that took away all my ability, at least I felt, and I was doing that like to choose for myself. So then all the choices that I made felt so much more meaningful at the time. It's like, I can do this now. This is my choice. What do I want to do? Um, but those, I think it wasn't that conscious. I think it took a mm. while to like catch up to the consciousness part of it. I think, but those, when I like look back, I think those were the ways that I was paying attention to what feels good to me, what I like look at and get really inspired by, what feels like a bigger dream if I'm thinking too small, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I started answering those questions little by little um, and then being around people who are chasing their dreams. And that was hugely impactful. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah, all because I'm a cancer. (laughs) (laughs) You're predisposed to this. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you know. (laughs) When about what age were you when you took the leap to say, you know what, I'm going to pursue acting? Um, there was a lot of overlap in terms of the the breadcrumbs that led to that. When I met Joyce. Um, years ago was when I just started taking classes. And that was, again, I was still, I was a big dreamer, but still cautious. So I was like, let's just see how this goes. Okay. Like maybe I'll create a profile on a casting network. Okay. Maybe I'll submit to this Mm. thing. And it was very small, but I got beginner's luck. So I booked the first thing I auditioned for. Get out. Um, It was was an Intel commercial. So let's not give me too much credit. They basically cast me for for being Asian. Um, and they also they booked me for being Chinese American, which I'm not. I'm Korean. But of course, I took the job right. and I was like, Are you going to pay me? Like, okay. Yeah, I was like, You're going to pay me. And then um, I did the job. And in, in the whole time, I'm like smiling for the camera. And I was like, They're going to know. Like, <laughs> the Chinese people know this is very Korean. I'm not Chinese. Um, yeah, I, I kept like thinking dumb, that. White people are just like, we did it. We, we nailed, this <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> nice job, white people. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where's my check? Thank you so much. Okay, bye. Um, but supposedly, this is what I, I say when people like think about what they want to do. What is it that kind of like comes easily? I used I yeah. really grew up with this mindset of hard work and I really do respect that and I don't want to take away from um, building skills and like pursuing things. I think I still do that even with acting, which may or may not come more naturally to me. Um, mm. But I was attentive to what was coming really easily and what felt easy to me, almost laughably. So mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, I just showed up and then like smiled for the camera and then they paid me. I was like, that's this is amazing. Um, <laughs> but then in doing it, observing everyone around me and learning. I was like, oh, well, they're doing, they have technique to this. And, you know, being curious to like learn those techniques and not being, you know, like withering away from that. I was like, oh, that looks, oh, look at her. Okay. You know, and like try to to adapt. So stuff like that. And then all those breadcrumbs led to like years. And I think um, I was volunteering for a nonprofit called Collaboration, which is, it's a, it was like, it is, and was a grassroots movement to promote Asian American representation in media. And Mm -hmm. I was volunteering for that while I was working corporate Mm. and using the corporate money to pay for acting classes, right? Yeah. Um, So there's a point at time, I think that's when I met Joyce. I was like 
triple hustling. I was working the corporate job. I was running collaboration as executive director at the time of the San Francisco mm-hmm. chapter. We we're doing showcases and open mic nights and all this stuff. And then I was also starting to act professionally. So I remember mm-hmm. on my lunch break, I would leave my my corporate job for my lunch break, get on BART, go do an audition, BART back, and then go back to my desk. And then like, it was just such a hustle. This is what you can do in your 20s, everyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. That's amazing. And like, okay, so I I want to, I want to, I, I have a question about like um, getting started in acting and then how you started everything else. But I want to yeah. quick shout out to like, like maybe in large part to like what collaboration was able to promote, but like within my lifetime, seeing the difference of like the representation of Asian American actresses and actors, like it's wild. It's just so wild. Like, like, yeah, within like the last, like, I don't even know, like, 20, 30 years, like it's mm-hmm. just changed so much. So like yeah. huge, huge congratulations to you and your team and like Thank all the, the the progress that's like continuing to be made there. So first wanted to Thank shout you. that out. And then my follow-up question was around um, it sounds like acting was kind of like your way into this this wide breadth of um, I guess like I don't even know, like like uh prolific like creation. I don't know. I like how to like bucket it all, but, but kind of like acting was your way in. Then you went into sounds like a bunch of other works in terms of like podcasting, directing, producing, all of that. How did Mm -hmm. you start getting into those worlds? I'd say actually the gateway to all of this was collaboration. So my, my, um, I'm also like, I don't know, type A is right, but I, I'm, I'm, she's a go-getter. Um, (laughs) I, I, I really, really like producing and I think I'm a producer by heart, even though I'm an actor, I like organizing and um, especially when it's fun stuff. So in high school, I was like a class officer so that I could do, so I could help organize prom and stuff. So that's where like, I was a producer of like, okay, got to book a DJ, got to get a venue, got to like figure out our theme. This started way earlier. And then, so by the time I'm like in my professional world, I had all these skill sets I've developed because I just really like throwing parties, apparently. Um, <laughs> and that's protosorial work. It's project management, right? It's tasks and managing timelines and budgets. So then getting into collaboration was, I think, an extension of that producer hat. And then volunteering, I was with all of these artists all of the time. They're the ones that inspired me because that was started in 2009. That was years before I met you, Joyce. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Um, I, I was like, okay, I'm producing showcases for all these artists, they're pursuing their thing. They're changing the landscape for Asian Americans simply by pursuing their creative professions. I want to be a creative professional. I'm too big of a wuss right now to try. So then that's why I was like, the environment really does shape your actions by being around these people for at that time. Like I was around them like three years by the time I started acting. So I'd say they're the gateway, like producing those events and producing um, talent showcases and open mic nights gave me the guts to try acting. So that, and it, it was this huge network of artists. So I was mm-hmm. constantly learning from their entrepreneurial endeavors, them using YouTube, them um, getting brand deals, them touring, like all this stuff and making podcasts and things like that content. Mm-hmm. I was learning from them by being around that. So it gave me the guts to pursue acting, but I was constantly around all of these, like every one of them is an entrepreneur. And I was just so inspired by them because some of them were wildly successful. Some of them weren't. But mm-hmm. you get to learn from all of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Um, so I think that was, that was the main gateway. Then I did the acting and then people would ask me to help out with like different projects. So I was like getting into the film world. Cause that's where my passion lies, you know, mm-hmm. above all else. So it was like, it was just a very expanding blob. I'd say that's the best way to <laughs> describe it. Well, and that's I do amazing. think that in the creative world, there's so many endeavors that you can do that can feel so isolating and lonely. Like stand-up mm-hmm. is super lonely. Like acting on your own is super lonely. And yeah. writing is super lonely. So having this community mm-hmm. that you had, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like you touched on it already, but I mean, do you feel like there's a version of you doing what you're doing today without having had a community to prop you up, to encourage you, to to give you that like extra confidence that you can do this? That's a great question too. I, I think yes, ultimately yes. But I, and I think that it would be markedly less um, confident. I think yeah. I, I, I would still be pursuing it and probably genuinely, most likely perhaps struggling more. I think the community yeah. was so huge and so instrumental in helping me have confidence, support, resources, you know, telling people telling me what programs to do, yeah. what acting class, you know, all these different opportunities came from these people. And we had a mission and we had our why. Our why and our mission has been we are invisible in this landscape, in Hollywood mm-hmm. and in America. So our plight was a good fuel when you have your why and you're not, I'm not just doing this. I had, and that took me a while too. And I got to observe that because I got to see people who are extremely ego driven and that's not, it's not all, I'm not trying to villainize it, but like, yeah, they're doing it all for themselves. And then there's people who do it all for the community. And I'm like, well, you got to be in there too. Right. And then like, how do you find a way to integrate why you're doing something to include yourself? Because you're the the artist and you're the creator of your own reality and you know, so many ways. So it's been I mean, really crazy. You made a joke earlier, uh, like something about like, oh, that's, you know, that's my ego, like feeding my ego. And I, I thought it was super refreshing because that I, I do acting too, and I'm a Leo. So, yeah, so, we love a Leo queen. <laughs> like, and so we're talking ego, talking star of the show. I'm mm-hmm. listening, and um, and but I do feel that it's a really honest thing to do, and to and to accept that. Yeah, sometimes like I like to perform. I like attention, you know. And in mm-hmm. in pretending to be coy and twee about it, I, I feel like it doesn't do any any like it doesn't do you any favors either. So I do think that that is such a good point of just kind of recognizing like some people are doing it just for the ego, some people are doing it for the community. It's probably a balance, but it's always being really it's always being honest with yourself about why you're in it. And that also mm-hmm. changes. You have to reevaluate it over time because it's, yeah, you know, it's not going to stay the same, especially, I mean, were you, it sounds like you were in the acting world during COVID mm-hmm. and that changed the landscape tremendously. Yeah. Did, probably. yeah. It did a lot. Um, Sidebar, I may or may not be a Leo moon. So anyway, oh, okay. um, <laughs> it's, in, it's, it's in my stars in that way. Um, I, I think what everything before COVID taught me, and I do think it has a lot to do with like the challenges I overcame 
in my entire life leading up to Mm -hmm. those moments was figuring out a way to make the best of what you have. Mm -hmm. And at the time, um, I do really believe a lot of the outward successes of life, and I'm in my later 30s, right? So I I have a lot of the experience to help educate that and prove it data-wise. But like Mm -hmm. cultivating gratitude and having a positive attitude not not being in denial of like how hard or, or crappy things can be. That's not what I'm saying. But mm-hmm. to find a way to find a, a benefit out of even a hard situation. Um, what for me, I was really, really lucky. This is just, I think it was divine intervention or what it was. But at the time, I had actually, right before COVID hit, given up for, or not given up, set aside on-camera acting because mm-hmm. voice acting was taking off for me. I had quit my job with collaboration. I no longer had a full time. I was going to go full on freelance and I was terrified. I had Mm -hmm. a very small runway because she did not save six months (laughs) of expenses. Mm -hmm. She saved more like two and a half because I live in Los Angeles and I don't know why I thought that math was correct because it was Uh. not. Um, So when that stark reality hit me, this is prior to COVID, I was like, I need to get it together because I'm very like, I can be kind of all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still, I've learned don't, you're not above anything. If you need to work wherever you need to work to make your living, to survive, yeah. I'm not going to like look down on something. If people need to work, if I need to do odd jobs, I will do it. And I, I, yeah. I think that's one of my, I have many flaws, but that's something I like about myself. And I know I have in my back pocket. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be so prideful that, oh, that's, Ew, I would never, you know, I was like, yeah. no, if I need to, I'll do it. Like yeah. graciously, I'll be thankful if you pay me to do a job. So with that, I decided to look at the math and see where I was generating more income mm-hmm. and voice acting was a clear winner. And this is all because funnily, I got audited by the IRS for something really, really tiny. And I took it to three accountants and they're like, I don't know why you got audited. There's like literally no reason. So I do think that this fluke audit was like, again, spirit, God, universe intervening and being like, look at your finances, my dear. Like, look at how you're spending your money and where your money's coming from. Because that's what I had to do at all my expenses. And I saw that acting on camera, all the headshots, all the casting platforms I was spending money on, classes, everything. I was like bleeding money out for something that was not giving me that much return. So it's a passion, yes, but I was like, I need to live and I'm, you know, so that was a hard decision, but I saw, okay, I'm booking more voiceover than on camera. So at least for maybe a year or two, I can sacrifice the classes and not pay, you know, like let's Mm -hmm. put pin in that so that I can make enough to like live and hopefully maybe I can like save up money and things like that. So this was right before COVID. Wow. So then when COVID hit, everything shuts down except voiceover oh my because God. Yeah. we can do that through a microphone. So I was so lucky and I got to work a lot during COVID. Mm-hmm. And I um, booked I booked commercials. I she booked um, my – yeah. And I, I did not, uh, you know, I felt guilty because everyone's like living off unemployment. Everything was so scary, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I felt a lot of guilt too, but uh, that's, that's what happened. And so during COVID, my, my, my niche of acting voiceover and doing largely a lot of commercials, I was really lucky to keep working during that time. Wow. Wow. That's so incredible. And like, it, what's mm-hmm. interesting to me too, is that like, since both of you are familiar with that industry, 
like I'm picking up on like different things that I didn't know about. Like, so for, so for instance, like producing seems like a lot of like project managing and mm-hmm. like doing a lot of that kind of thinking. Um, and I, I think I kind of understand like the acting side, but like when you are doing all of these things, are you doing them all at the same time? Like, are you mm. like directing and like, like you're nodding. So yes, like it sounds like yes. a lot, no? <laughs> it is. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining you your story about you and your your twenties, like hustling, like going like farting all over the place. And I'm like, like, what would like, you know, what does that look like now? Like, especially because the projects only get bigger. Like I know you you like directed um a short film and yeah. and so it, it just sounds like a lot of like just managing your own time, your own energy. Mm-hmm. Like what yeah. like tell us a little bit more about like how you do that now. Um imperfectly. But making progress. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. I think um, I've had so many years of different kinds of hustle that the skills that it cultivated, what it forced me to cultivate was stress management, time management, learning how to say no, checking my mm-hmm. ego. Why am I doing all these things? I had so many different mm-hmm. versions of burnout. Um, in mm-hmm. retrospect, I don't take any of that back. I think all of those awful moments of just being overextended doing too many things, then showing up and being mediocre at everything I was doing because I was spread so thin, mm-hmm. feeling desperate for money, um, being in Hollywood, being desperate for significance. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of what drives human anything. Like our human yeah. nature is, I think, a huge need that we have. Yes, we need love and we need shelter and we need these, but we also need to feel significant. I think we need mm-hmm. to feel like we're doing something of value. Um if you have a higher calling to God or if you, you feel like you're just contributing to something and you, you matter, you know, I think mm-hmm. that's a big thing. And so the way I had to like really dive deep at different points of burnout helped me figure out I was really being too much of a yes person because I was so desperate to like succeed. Mm-hmm. And that I really have been constantly redefining what success means to me. I don't think it aligns with a lot of what modern day – patriarchy driven success equals <laughs> exclusively yeah. it can include money and status but i mean that's i found okay minji if you're given all the money and status in the world but you don't have these things are you successful i was like hell no i'm not like mm-hmm. absolutely not those are things i had to learn by trial and error by doing things that i thought would bring me a lot of like fulfillment and then finding that it fell short really mm-hmm. often um, that's short lived, right? Like, yay. And then put it on Instagram. You just feel so great. But at yeah. the end you, you still feel like, okay, I'm back to square one. Now I got to up one up that and you know, I'm still single or whatever that was. Right. Um, yeah. and then I feel like I neglected my family and friends and things like that. So mm-hmm. all those things were like definitely teaching me how to say no. Um, and there it's an overlap. And, but then on the positive side, I'm like, I'm good at this. I know how to juggle more than one thing. I know. um, And hopefully I'm going to create financial goals to know that I can stay within a comfortable area that like I can say no to things and not freak out Yeah, because I have my bases covered. I have my emergency fund, whatever. Right. And um, things like that. Like those are all the things I had to cultivate in order to be able to be a thriving professional in this industry. And it is it's not for the faint of heart. You know, on that, and not to get into the gauche topic of money, but I think that this is what holds a lot of people back is not understanding 
what the steps are, what the phases are, what the realities are of making money in a, a like a creative hustle culture. I wanted to call it like hustle cut culture. I don't know why I was baffling <laughs> uh, that word. We can rebrand it. It's fine. <laughs> hustle cut culture. Um, oh man, that's not coming out right. Um, but can you talk to us a bit about what I mean? I'm I'm sure that there's different phases of this, like early stages, late stages, but how does someone make money doing this? And mm-hmm. what's a realistic take-home income that someone might be looking at on an average basis for like voice acting, directing? I know you're doing a lot of stuff, but if you can just paint the picture of like how – like what is it, what it is that you're taking home on like how you can live off of that and just like the different uh, phases of that. Wow. I'm wondering how to answer that in a helpful way. I think it's kind of like the reality versus the – it's like Instagram versus reality. Mm -hmm. There's um, the image that – like, for example, influencers. They Mm -hmm. look like they live a really luxurious life. And sometimes that image is supplemented by all the free stuff that they get. It's not necessarily money. They get stuff because they're promoting it. Um, and that's still nice because that's stuff that they want, but they're not having to spend money because they're giving it. Right. And getting, you know, a really nice loofah exfoliator thing doesn't pay your rent, right? Yeah. If you're not getting not any money as, as that. Right. So I think um, realistically, I mean, it depends on like how good you are. That's why I feel like there's so much it depends. Yeah. Um, I've had different people come to me asking me how to be a voice actor because mm-hmm. – they think that it's easy money. Mm-hmm. And there, it, there's tons of opportunity. I do think people are capable of it. And I get a little bit offended of like, I work really hard to be good at what I do. So yeah. not just anybody can do it. And like, I, I don't get all the jobs. I hear, I listen to commercials because I was like, wow, that was really good. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're really good, you know? And I can hear the difference because I've done it so many times for different mm-hmm. brands. You have to know how to condense Hey, okay, Minji, you clocked in at 31.6 seconds. We need you to bring it down to 29.8. We need you to be a little bit faster. And I'm like, I need to know how to do that yeah. within a very short amount of time. Stuff like that. Those are like technical things. It, it, I'm still talking to microphone for a living. So like sure, that's but- – it's still – but it's – and and so those can range because you, you – this is what I'm saying. That we're on strike right now. Like the, there's a strike. But, and then it's we get it in the nitty gritty of like the union versus non-union yeah. commercials um, are largely have gone largely non-union mm-hmm. um, and they, they do buyouts and the way that we ingest um, content now is so different. This is why I don't want to get too into the weeds. Yeah. Like commercials used to live for really long periods of times. Commercials don't live for that long anymore because they're so yeah. quickly consumed and moved on to the next campaign. Right. Um, so the, that's why it's, we're such a rapidly changing industry across everywhere. What you could have relied on saying, oh, I got this commercial and I'm getting like $10,000 plus re- residuals for like a big national commercial kind of mm-hmm. just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you got to book more jobs that pay less. Um, and so in order to do that, you got to be ready to be auditioning for everything. Sometimes it's, a, you know, within a few hours, you got to turn it in. So it's like that nimbleness of like, oh, yeah. I was in the middle of writing my next, you know, great American screenplay. Yeah, but as we my, my agent's yeah. like, I need I need it right now. Get, you know, and so I have to drop everything and go record something. 
So stuff like that. So I do think it depends on like the willingness to deal with that instability, um, the skill set level. Do you, have you invested in like a good setup? Do you pay for the software that you need to be competitive? Because there's people that don't want to spend money to make money. And that was a concept that took a while for it to click in with me because I was so frugal that I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to use a crappy mic and a, you know, and I did, I went really far with that. But like at a certain point, you got to pony up and say, you know, you're kind of elevating to the next level, spend money on the software, get the better microphone. I got myself a little, you know, home booth. So in that scenario, when you invest in it, I think you can, you know, make thousands of dollars a month to do it. But that's dependent on, are you auditioning regularly on time at a high level? And do you have an agent from there? You got to be realistic about a third of that goes to taxes, you know, depending on what the union is, you can get up to 20% of that goes to your agent. It's insane. So like your takeaway is what I've learned about the money stuff is like, we have to be really, really honest about it. Yeah. Um, what are you actually making? That's what actors are striking for right now. And I sit oh, with yeah. them like it's it's the way that it's distributed, the ways that we are mm. um, having to work for really little for a high payout return for the people that are producing yeah. it. It's kind of ridiculous at this point. <laughs> That's it's my personal opinion. It's like a gig market um, for both yeah. writers and actors. You have to do yeah. way more work. You are making way less money. It's, I mean, you have, uh, there's an actress, uh, I believe her name is Kamiko. She was on Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and she's been posting her residuals from Orange is the New Black. And oh, yeah. like two- What are residuals? Uh, I will not answer this because I don't know how to. Do you know how to answer <laughs> I don't know if I'll answer it well, but in the past, they have like a studio like ABC, you book, I'm on Family Matters and I do, I'm, a, you know, I'm Steve Urkel's friend and I do a thing. And then later, like the show continues to live on, right? It goes from ABC oh, made it, then they sell mm-hmm. it to like Nickelodeon and Sonic yeah. and Night. Like the show continues to live on. It goes on DVD, whatever. Yeah. Like, so I, as the actor that was part of that, I have, I'm entitled to residuals from yeah. that show's Got it. prospering. Right, the prospect of that show also pays me in 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 um not as big of a check as the initially, but you get residuals. Right, right. so okay. it helps contribute to your livelihood. And yeah. that sorry, I mean, sorry, sorry Jen, I interrupted. Oh no, no, no. It, no I, I think it's I because I've talked to people that because I live in LA too, and I know a lot of <laughs> actors and writers both in WGA and S uh, and SAG AFTRA, and people that are outside of it just see big time Hollywood actors and yeah. actresses and mm-hmm. and writers and thinking, well, why do they want more money? And one of the better examples is uh, Abbott Elementary. So that goes on mm-hmm. on uh, ABC. And so a lot of these shows end up getting syndicated down the line or that's how it used to be. And then they would make a good amount of money. But uh, Abbott Elementary goes straight to Hulu. And the streaming mm-hmm. residuals for both writers and actors is so little where these actors are having, I mean, it's basically Uber and Lyft for writers and actors now where Mm -hmm. you used to be able to book, you know, a Grey's Anatomy, like 22 episodes, something or other, and you could live, uh, you know, an upper middle class life or a middle class life. And now it's just, you can't like, you know, and, uh, And so even just hearing you talk about it in practice, I we usually get into like what are the hard skills and soft skills of each uh, job, but it, it kind of sounds like financial management 
is a hard skill of being in this type of career. Yeah. And I, I personally think, you know, I'm, I'm a Silicon Valley baby. I grew up in the Bay or I've been immersed in tech universal. Mm -hmm. A lot of my friends from the Bay are all, you know, all up in that. And I still hear a lot about, I have interest in it. I I may or may not have startups I want to do. Um, (laughs) But like, I, I do think there's such a massive disruption of what, especially with AI, it's not going anywhere. It's here. Um, I'm not always the biggest advocate of it, but I'm not delusional. I have to accept what it is. Like mm-hmm. I was an early adopter to Facebook. I was late to Twitter, like different, you know, I just didn't see like the usefulness of everything or I didn't like, it's not my vibe. Um, but like <laughs> the reality of where we're at, I do think there is this massive disruption that's happening and going to continue to happen. Yeah. And therefore I think it's just, I'm not here to like catastrophize it or like scare everybody. It's more of like, I think it helps us to understand the landscape and then to prepare for that and like brace ourselves and be mentally prepared because when you're blindsided by something, yeah, um, yeah. it hurts more when you're going, your train's going 80 miles, a hundred miles an hour and tr- crashes into a tree. It's going to be, you know, go to smithereens. If, if it's going at 30, that's different than when it was going 80 to hundred. So we got to be able to kind of like approach this thing, this tree that's coming. Mm. That's a bad metaphor. I, I, sorry. (laughs) Uh, But like, that's how it feels. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I do think us getting more, um, those emotions, this is where I live in terms of an actor. Like I understand the emotions of that a cancer very well and we have to be able to like deal with all of that because this is happening on a massive level and that's where I want to step back and be able to look at okay stress management financial management like financial literacy I think Mm -hmm. as women Mm -hmm. I was having a talk with my brother really recently that the disparity between us I was like do you understand like you've had a leg up and he's like I don't deny that, but can you explain what you mean by by that? And I was like, mm-hmm. I was never treated by our our environment, by our parents, by our world to be financially successful or literate. Mm-hmm. They expected me to do good things, but I was not – the attitude was so different. The expectation was that you, as my brother, you have to be rich and like provide for family and all that stuff. Mine was like – in my Korean-American universe was like, be a good wife. Find someone mm-hmm. who can take care of you. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was malicious, but that's how I grew up. So yeah. I was like, I was very late to believing that I could and should be financially literate. Yeah. So I feel like I'm very late to this game. I'm trying to play catch up all the time. Yeah. And I'm also kind of bitter at how much I didn't – compound interest, everyone. Um, <laughs> I didn't know these things <laughs> until late, you know? So honest, how can I we – I don't know what compound interest is. It's a thing. Well, I'll send you a YouTube link. Thank, thank you. <laughs> it's, a, it's an important <laughs> thing. It's an important thing. I, I'll chat GPT it, or maybe you can send me a TikTok. I don't know. Wanna, <laughs> Our great educators. Seconds, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Happy to fan. So then, uh, it sounds like like for people who are interested in kind of like having a long and successful career in this, not just like mm-hmm. oh, like I'm interested in it because I like like flash in the pan, lots of fun, short period of time. No, I yeah. want to do this long term. I want this to be like successful and sustainable. It yeah. sounds like what you need to expect in terms of just your day-to-day, your lifestyle, kind of like like Jen was saying, like the skills, the hard skills, the soft skills. Um, it sounds like a lot of like like the value of uh, adaptability comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. You, like you have to be very nimble. It sounds like you have to be very comfortable with like 
change and um, maybe even lack of stability. Does that Absolutely. resonate with you? And also, like, if it does, um, like, maybe can you paint us a picture of, like, what your normal week looks like? Like, yeah. I, I can't even imagine it. <laughs> um, it changes all the time. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the most valuable skill sets for anybody right now everywhere, whether you're in Hollywood or not, is adaptability. Being mm-hmm. agile, being um, nimble, and being, you know, adaptable. Um, and for if you want to work as an artist, I think if you have an in, an immediate like acceptance of the instability, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. you can work with that. You can't work with what you don't know or won't accept. You know, like I refuse. Like no, it's kind of an unstable as hell <laughs> industry. <laughs> you don't know when a project's going to happen. Even if you get the project for a million and a half reasons, it could get delayed. It could get yeah. canceled. It could get scrapped, taken away completely, really like in the blink of an eye. Um, you keep, you know, and the audition process is. It's not a lot of rejection. It's a lot of ghosting. Like it's ghosting. Yes. It's rejection through ghosting. You just don't hear from people. You mm-hmm. put a lot out into the wind and you just, is it ever going to come back? I don't know. <laughs> and then sometimes it might on. come back like three months later. And 100%. Like, Whoa. Didn't know that. I booked a really big video game, which I'm not supposed to like promote because uh, of tag. But like um, I had completely forgotten about that audition when it when I booked it. I truly didn't remember it because I had done so many auditions in between. Right. Yeah. So I referenced it. I had no I was like, huh? Yeah. Like <laughs> pray tell, what, what project is this that you speak new of? Phone, who this? Yeah. yeah, who this? Um so that's that. So yeah. And then the hard school's like for creativity, we do it because we love it. Um and I think having the passion to like commit to a lot of unpaid work, which is yeah. doing the classes and doing this the character development, learning how to read scripts. If you taking all these classes, like there are a lot of technical things to the art of art, like that mm-hmm. offends me that people the ones who are so good they make it look easy, but it is yeah. very you are juggling a million gazillion things at a time. Not only your character, your lines, the emotional stakes of what's happening, where all everyone is in the scene and being like a completely different person on top of you have 150 people like all staring at you yeah. and like different cameras and knowing where to clock it and all this stuff. It's an amazing job, but it's also like it takes highly skilled people to do that. So that's my argument back to like the studios. And I'm saying this I as a producer, I work with budgets. I know how hard it is yeah. to to run the circus on a very small scale, of course. But I'm like, we are the necessary part and you can't just get robots and like whatever to mm-hmm. replicate us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels offensive to like downplay the value of mm-hmm. what, what you know, Meryl Streep blinking can do to a ripple yeah. effect on our, you know, what she does <laughs> on a camera is magic to me. And yeah. she worked really hard to like cultivate that that skill set so that she could do it as soon as the director says action while there's 150 people staring at her waiting for her to finish her take so that they can move on to the next thing and eat lunch. Like mm-hmm. it's a hard job and she does yeah. it well. And so it's offensive that people are not getting compensated. And now I'm on a tangent. Um, no. But yeah, it's, <laughs> there's technical stuff to here. it. And then there's it's just – <laughs> it's mental fortitude. And and here's the thing. I know that there's like stuff that, there, you know, unions are, are I don't know enough about it, but I also know like there there's challenges within unions too. But I, yeah. in principle, like absolutely, they have to fight for people who want to exploit. They're very comfortable mm-hmm. with treating people, artists and, and work, not just talking about artists, yeah. people who are trying to make a living and be 
able to do the thing that they do so they're good enough to do it for your project. Yeah. <laughs> they need to be able to – I was arguing about that with someone earlier. It's like I would love to keep acting so I can be a good actor. They're like, well, mm. you should just get other jobs. And I was like, I do. And yeah. also those jobs are not creating that skill set of, again, the technical stuff that I was just listing off. You need to do it to be good at it. You're expecting all these actors to like be baristas and bartenders and like scrape mm. gum off tables and whatever. But like, but then they're all of a sudden, A, supposed to be able to drop their their gig that they're at to survive, to come to an audition whenever, to mm. suddenly leave that job and go be on set for X number of unknown days. Hmm. Who does that? Like, we don't live in that yeah. society right now. So we do need to defend this working wage. Well, especially like, oh, uh, you need to take another job to sustain your acting job. Well, that job, that gig job that you're going to get is not going to be okay with you having to leave at yeah. whenever you need to, to go on an audition, you know? And so it's, mm. yeah. it, it is a lack of empathy and understanding of, and I think it goes to what you're saying too, is people look at it thinking you're just reading lines. You're just doing something very simple. And it is incredibly difficult. I mean, in taking acting classes, well, I mean, one of my favorite shows is Veep. Uh, and mm. Julia Dreyfus is uh, the best. And, you, and when you watch her as someone who's studying acting and you watch what she does, you just, it almost looks like magic. You're wondering mm. what was she thinking when she did that take? And oh, she probably had to do that take like so many times. And, and so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I, I think I'm just circling the drain of the like, hey, uh, pay actors, pay writers, come on. You yeah, know? and that affects everybody too. I also defend crew with my whole, whole oh, heart and yeah. soul. This is creating a whole economy of jobs, and this ripple yeah. effects to like everybody around to the dry. My parents are dry cleaners. Yeah, dry cleaners to restaurateurs yeah. to everybody to transportation to. It affects so much, and I just feel like it's such a just a thumbing of the nose to like so the entire economy and the village, the giant yeah. villages that it requires to make art that profits people. And I'll say this to like the week that you, I'm now answering your question, Joyce, of like my week. It's um, I'm trying to make more space now to be able to decompress and think strategically of what I want to do. Mm -hmm. In the past, I was constantly in catch up mode, always like one to five steps behind. I'm like laid on an audition and I'm trying to like get an audition where I have to time it where I don't sound too tired in the morning, not yeah. too worn out in the afternoon. Um, I have to work calls around that. Um, I'm producing films. I'm making my own stuff. So I, it's a constant like scheduling of like yeah. how to efficiently use my time frame. And then now I'm like pr very fiercely trying to get in rest time just yeah. to do nothing yeah. um, and be bored and like, spend time with friends. And that's honestly a challenge for me. <laughs> I'm not saying that proudly. I think it's like kind of a symptom of this like really, I get sick of the word, but like a really toxic work culture. Yeah. Because I just, it like makes me sad culture. that every creative thing, everything that we enjoy doing, at least in American society, what we do, it has to be monetized. It yeah. has to be, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And that makes me a bit sad because like yeah. I love to draw, but like I don't want to make drawing my entire career. But if right. someone saw my drawing, they're like, oh, you should sell this. I was like, why do I have to yeah. sell it? Yeah, so, you exactly. Know? exactly. that's like actually, the way that we've been programmed. Yeah. Like that was actually going to be one of my questions is around like, like so much of what you do is like a passion project, right? But then there's also that like realistic, like financial, like that, that capitalist kind of like pressure as well. And so mm -hmm. like, do you, maybe this is kind of like a big question, but like, do you have advice on that balance? Like, do you have advice on like just 
through your experience, how much of your time and energy you spend on things that are like purely like maybe more like I'm working on this and I don't know exactly like how successful or how like financially successful it's going to be. But like Mm -hmm. I want to do it because I'm so motivated and like energized by it. Like how much is like your time and energy is spent on projects more like oops, more like that versus like, you know, projects that are a little bit more like, okay, I can rely on this money. This is like, like this is income. And like, um, maybe it may not like spark my fire, like, like the the same way the others do, but like, there's always that balance. Right. So I'm curious if you have any advice on like what you found helps you in that. Joyce, you're a wonderful question asker. (laughs) The best advice, it sounds, it can sound cheesy. Cultivating gratitude has helped me a lot. To be honest, mm. I am a highly ambitious person. I've been programmed very well to be a productive person. Um, when I have worked on like, because I was just finding myself highly motivated and then surprisingly unfulfilled in a lot of ways. And then I pay attention to like when I did feel fulfilled. A lot of it was collaboration, which was at the time at the beginning unpaid. It's all volunteer. I was doing high. I was a producer. Like I could be paid a full you know, living salary to do the work I was doing pretty much 24 seven all year round. It was a year round volunteer gig. Um, and I did it all for free. So Mm -hmm. when I was grateful and I lived in the feeling of like, wow, this feels amazing. My heart, I would do this for free forever. Paying attention to that helped guide me to like what feels good to me and then being clear on why it felt good because we made an impact on a thousand five hundred people that came to our show made an impact on the 12 uh, artists that performed in our thing. I think we just changed the trajectory of their life. Mm-hmm. So it helped me identify what feels good. Um, and then what feels bad, which was us begging for money all the time was mm-hmm. extremely stressful. It led to the burnout. So I was like, okay, what also feels good is when we get a five, you know, $5,000, $10,000 sponsorship. That feels mm-hmm. great as well because now we can keep doing the thing that we love. So gratitude, weirdly, like even through the lens, it didn't take away practicality. It didn't take Mm -hmm. away numbers. It didn't take away metrics, right? Um, Gratitude was just a way, this is the how of how I'm going to go about this. So even when I would get gigs that like, frankly, I would roll my eyes at or be like, oh my God, this is like corporate capitalistic, like genuinely (laughs) helped me temper that a lot to be like, I'm really lucky to be booked, you know, even if it's something I don't believe in and it's not, you know. Um, this particular like save the universe bingo card, it's still something really helpful to me to be able to comfortably pay my rent. So mm-hmm. I would be less of a little brat if I'm like on a call getting directed by somebody that I'm not vibing with. But I'm giving like truly like the intimate BTS of like when I sometimes I would work with people where I'm like, you guys don't even know what you're doing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like what you want from this session. Yeah. Like, why are we here? Yeah. But I would, be, I would ground myself like, Minji, just be grateful that you're booked. Like you're a collaborative contributor to this project. You're the voice of XYZ. They're paying you to be here. Get it together. So in that moment, it literally, I would clock it and I'd be like, so how can I help? I would genuinely like get myself, men- it's a mental muscle of like, how can I help um, give you guys what you need? Yeah. And they really appreciated that attitude. Yeah, And it, again, yeah. it wasn't like saving the universe, but this is the th- most important thing to this agency, this marketing yeah. agency. So it helped me get through that. I think gratitude is extremely powerful because you can always find something you could be grateful for and it can get you some 
like through some really sucky moments where you don't want to be there, but like recognizing the value of it, even mm-hmm. if you don't want to be there. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was like, I get a paycheck out of this. Like, why are you let's let's relax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And then be like really careful of like, okay, now I have all this time because I booked this thing. Now I have the rest of the day. How do I want to use that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay, then I want to start writing. Now I got to join a writer's group. Oh, this is really hard. But I'm like, no, but I have the freedom to even give this a shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard. I'm grateful for it. Let's keep going. Yeah. So it's always a constant like complaint to like, I don't know. It's a lot. Gratitude yeah. ratio. I'm sure there's Gratitude no. ratio. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes just sucking it up and like I've, that's what my dad instilled in me is discipline. Just, yeah. You have to do things you don't like, man. Like it just mm-hmm. – it's part of life. Life is not fair and I accepted that. I don't expect things to be fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It never will oh be. My well, yeah. oh my um. I think we're getting towards the end on the life is not fair segue. Um, and we're going to do uh, a couple of quick questions and answers, and then we're going to get to our career advice. So let's maybe stick with like three quick questions, quick answers, and then we'll move to the next round. Uh, Joyce, do you have a quick question? Yeah. So this one, um, this one's going to be interesting, but like, let's say like, like media didn't exist. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say there was no like concept of um, like movies, like um, commercials, mm-hmm. like um, any of this type of like media. What would you what would you want to do instead? Be a high school health teacher. What? Oh, my gosh. Great. Not see that coming. Yeah, I love it. You blindsided. That's one of them. I'd probably oh, yeah. multi-hyphenate that too. I'd also be yeah, like a but- farmer. I'd run a community center so we can all get up, get together after school hours. I oh, know. I can see that. I, was, mm-hmm. I love yeah, it. So my That'd be question really is somewhat similar but targeted to what you do. So you have you have a multi-hyphenate of what you do. If you could pick one of those things to do only that and you made a living, what would you pick? Show running. Show running. Okay. Show running is so cool. I didn't understand what that term was and and then someone explained it to me. I'm like, oh, that sounds like the shit. Wait, mm-hmm. can you can you explain it to me? Because I, I I can only guess. Showrunners are the creators of shows. So Shonda Rhimes is a showrunner. Yeah. She she creates scandal. She created a greatest anatomy. She's the she is the person who birthed that whole thing. So showrunners are truly top of that that pyramid where they choose directors to mm-hmm. okay we're going to create a writers room they get to have a say in that they get to say okay this is how the show's going to they build like the foundation they get to say okay these writers understand the show yay let's go with these writers let's get directors in to direct these episodes mm-hmm. um so it and there's a difference between like episodics which we don't call tv because it's just like you know series yeah. versus like film yeah. Film, the director and writer have a lot of say. And sometimes that's the same person and sometimes those are different. Right. Um, showrunner, a lot of times it's the writer, but you just call it the creator because then you get a group of writers to supplement and like create yeah. all the episodes of a series. Oh. It's kind of like the vision and decision maker of mm-hmm. a show. Wow. See, she's okay, so good not- at being succinct. <laughs> oh, no. Never. Never. That was the first time I've ever been succinct in my life. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> I doubt that. Uh, <laughs> Joyce, do you want to hit us with one more? 
Um, I actually don't have another one top of mind. So if you have one, go for it. Okay. I have one more. Um, in a given week, how many hours do you think that you're investing into your multi-hyphenate work? Oh, investing into my multi-hyphenate work. So like what, what, how many hours you're working versus not working? I guess. <laughs> and I mean, I, and because it's the multi-hyphenate, it's like, it's the, the writers, uh, groups, it's the, uh, you know, yeah. stopping what you're doing to make an audition tape, you know, that yeah, I'm just yeah. curious if you have an estimate of how many hours a week you're maybe investing in all of that. At this juncture, Less than before because I'm trying to be more efficient. Yeah. Um, I guess. And what would qualify as investing in the multi-hyphenate work? Because I started including exercising as part of my work. I have yeah. to work out like it is yeah, part of my that, job. I think that's to fair. Stay physically healthy and fit. Um, so in that case, and I also have a lot of my friends are creative. So we're constantly talking about it. And I feel yeah. it's like work, but I love it. Like, again, I would do it endlessly. Um, it ranges at least – 40, I imagine yeah. probably more <laughs> like 80. Mm -hmm. I mean, like yeah. A lot. Thinking about just like living, breathing, eating it sort of thing. It's yeah. especially like in LA living here, it's just it's industry, you know? It's it's yeah. always something people are talking about and I think that exercise point is a really good one because you can't really take that out of the equation when you're yeah. starting to talk about you know, performing and, you know, being at the top of your, like, you, you have to be physically fit and like mentally fit to do that work. Not yeah, like, absolutely. not necessarily outwardly, but like you have to have, yeah. I mean, it's just there's stamina a, it's and stamina. like energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Totally. It, it yeah. takes a lot. And to be able to focus and to, my big thing I want to, um, prioritizes rest, like getting yeah. proper – I've had really, really bad, bad, bad sleep habits. Mm -hmm. And then so the memory was – you know, I'm like garbled in meetings and stuff. I'm not – I'm so fragmented. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm working on the health part is to s sustain the work. And I'm really lucky that I'm doing work that means something to me. I know that there are friends I talk to, you know, that they're doing work that is just work. It doesn't yeah. mean that much to them. It's a way for them. And I respect that. I don't think everybody has to have their passion be their work. Sometimes it's really nice to have passion, just be your passion. It doesn't yeah. have to, again, be monetized. So um, I respect whatever path other people take. I, yeah. I have no like, oh, you should be doing this. I I used to be that and I can see how obnoxious. So if anyone's <laughs> listening, I ever said it to you, I'm really, really sorry. And uh, <laughs> I, 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 his email grown. is uh, – no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to drop it. <laughs> Um, okay, let's go to our last segment. So we've been doing this career advice segment where we each go around and yeah. share advice. So I'm going to go ahead and start and then I'm going to go and then you guys can, um, uh, you know, I can go next. Name. Yeah. Okay. Joyce will go next. Mm -hmm. Uh, so something that you was mentioned earlier about crying and, uh, emotions, it made me think of something that's not necessarily career advice, but I've held this with me for so long. I was at this improv festival and Amy Poehler was there. I was so excited mm. to see her live. My queen. <laughs> and it was one of those improv things where they were interviewing someone in the audience and they were talking back and forth. And this gal in the audience said something to the effect of, oh yeah, you know, I was on this date and I ended up crying and I felt so bad and she was getting really apologetic and Amy Poehler just stopped and was like, hey, we need to cut this shit out. Like crying is not a weakness. 
It has never been a weakness. It's like, and it, mm-hmm. you know, and she just went in on it. It's like, we need to stop apologizing for just having a simple emotion come through. And I've thought about that, you know, mm-hmm. the equivalent in like the corporate world is how many times have you seen a male equivalent get blustery red and angry and yeah. scream? Yeah. It's like, how is that mm-hmm. any different than showing emotion? And so I just, especially since we're on the topic of acting and we're in cancer season, uh, I'm just saying mm-hmm. that crying is not a weakness. And I think yeah. we uh, should uh, we should see it for the value that it is. So that's mine. Ooh, Ooh I love that. Mm. That's so good. I love Enjoy. that it came out of polar too. I could just imagine. No, right? Like- Oh Taking god! Command. I think we were all. No, just, like, we're not gonna do this. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, so mine is it actually. I feel like like I felt so inspired this whole conversation, and I feel like I can keep talking to you. But you're so incredibly busy, and you definitely need rest. So like, definitely want to like be mindful of time. But one of the things that you said early on, kind of like stuck out to me as like like something that like does come up time for time like but like when you're thinking about your career and like reflecting on that and it was around um like being curious about what comes easily to you like Mm -hmm. like I think you said almost like weirdly easily to you right um Mm -hmm. and uh and sometimes we like we lose track of that because of like that hustle that grind culture right like that like Mm -hmm. just just keep just keep charging on just keep like pushing on right um, but mm-hmm. I think that like that theme of ease feels like very like aligned. It feels very like magical. It feels very like it's supposed to be this way. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think like that's something that that I'm going to be thinking about in terms of like career advice and would definitely advise other people to be thinking about that too. Like it doesn't all have to be so hard. Like yeah. Yeah. that perspective and emphasis on ease, I think I really – enjoyed. So that's, that's my career advice. That's top of mind. Amazing. Um, I've given a lot of <laughs> advice, I think. Um, hope, one thing I'll add for me, um, in recognizing again, what feels good and what doesn't feel good to me. One of the things I don't like, and I don't like for myself and I don't like for anybody else is us being held to other people's standards and, mm-hmm. um, values. I think, there's there's overlap in a lot of things, stability, security, um, having a pleasant time, being able to be meaningful, do impact. There are a lot of things. Um, it's, it's just I'm just identifying it for what it is. But in terms of the patriarchy that we lived under, which hurts everybody, I'm not saying that from like a feminist standpoint of it hurts just women. That mm-hmm. I think that's such an archaic conversation. I think if we recognize that we're all like working so hard for questionable return. Mm-hmm. to benefit a very handful of people that wield a lot of wealth and power at the expense mm-hmm. of others. I'm not mm-hmm. okay with that. Yeah. Um, and so to question all of that, that is my advice. Sometimes it makes sense. Again, people got to do what they got to do to survive. Nothing changes immediately overnight. But I'm really big on the mindset thing because I've seen how it has drastically shifted my life. Mm-hmm. For example, the main thing I'll say is like, to focus on the solution than the problem. I'm aware of what the problem is. Be clear on what the issue is. And I had to ask myself a lot of questions. What's the problem here? What is the problem? Okay, I feel broke. I'm burnt out. What X, Y, Z, what have you. And then instead of spending too much time because your energy is very, very precious, I advise you, what's the solution? Is it to get more rest? Is it to say no to more things? Is it to mm-hmm. quit this job? Because it's not giving me enough value for what I need at this moment with mm-hmm. the awareness that what I need this moment is not necessarily what I'm going to need 
five to 10 years from now, or even next year. Once you solve a problem, that problem is solved. So I advise folks um, to not look at anything too permanently and Mm -hmm. to ask questions to bring you closer to a solution, whatever the problem may be. That's great. Wow. Lots of people quitting their jobs after they hear that. Like, what's the solution to this problem? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I hate it. Uh, Quitting. uh... (laughs) Or just get a raise. Like, get properly compensated for the job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Move departments. Get a different boss. Like, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's lifestyle adjustments. My friends are going through that. And I think it's actually a good humbling experience. Sorry. Like, they're adjusting their lifestyle. They're saying, Mm -hmm. okay, for this amount of time, I'm just going to give up this, like, plush situation that I've gotten used to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I respect them for that because they're like, yeah. and I'm in that time, I'm going to figure out how to do X, Y, Z. And I was like, that's right. really great. Yeah. And yeah. I respect that. Yeah. We're constantly evolving and learning, folks. Yeah. Adaptability. Adaptability. Yes. That's the name of the game. Um, oh, well, yeah. this has been a lovely chat. Thank you so much. I mean, you are clearly so busy and booked. Um, so we're, thank you so much for being on our show. Um, but yeah, once again, Minji, everyone. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. All right. Joyce and I will be got done talking with Minji, who is an actor, filmmaker, and podcaster. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was a great co- conversation. And I was just, we were saying offline, uh, I was holding back a lot on <laughs> really getting into uh, like capitalism and just the profit <laughs> margin, like profit, profit, like, I don't know. And needing yeah. to monetize everything. Needing to monetize. Yeah, there was a there was this meme or some TikTok the other day where it was there's this thing with millennials where it's like, oh, I, I really like making pottery. It's like, well, how can I make an Etsy shop of that? You know, mm-hmm, like how do you mm-hmm, make a mm-hmm. business out of everything you like doing? And yeah, I do feel that. Um I, yeah, same, same for sure. Joyce, yeah, do you think avoid. Mm-hmm. uh do you think you would would do uh, filmmaking or acting or, pod- or podcasting. <laughs> well, I think it's I, – I do actually think it It made me think while um, she was talking that all of these jobs that we talk about, there's the thing that you think about it. The thing that you think about is like the main thing about the job. So like an actor is a performer. A podcaster is a performer. But with all of these jobs, there's so much behind it. Um, there's the logistics. There's the yeah. financial literacy. And I, I mean, I got to give you a lot of credit, Joyce, because you keep us on uh, – like you keep us honest as a podcast, like getting new people and making sure that we're thinking of ways to grow the podcast. Like that's so oh. much more beyond just talking on a show. There's so much more that goes into it. And I don't know. I feel like you're good at it. Thank you. I mean, that's really sweet, but I'm just laughing because it it, ma- it makes me think of like what we were just talking about, about like needing to monetize everything. And I'm like, wait, we need to grow. We need to get bigger and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing the same thing. I'm doing that same exact thing. But I mean, I think that there's, I, I think we both see that there's something here in what we're doing and that we enjoy mm-hmm. it. And 
Yeah, I don't know what that sweet spot is of, oh, this is something that I enjoy that I want to make money from versus, oh, this is just something I want to do casually. Yeah. And I think we're still flirting that line right now, but. Totally. And like, I think that's what was really interesting about like learning about these, these jobs um, Mm -hmm. is, is that like, there is that constant balance of doing things out of like the like passion and like excitement mm-hmm. and then doing things more out of like okay this I need to pay the bills right like yeah um like when uh I don't I don't remember when in the conversation we were talking about this but like the filmmaking side right like mm-hmm. you have to invest a lot of your energy yeah. and money and money that. yeah exactly exactly so or you gotta so have it's to like, go ask for money which is stressful on its own exactly right, you know? yeah so actually I think that's what surprised me the most about these roles is I, I I like I don't know why, but I didn't think that it was so entrepreneurial. Like the conversations that we were having made me think a lot about the conversations that we were having with Sensi too. You know, like where yeah. where it's like you're a multi hyphenate. You do a lot of things for yourself. You have to be creative. You have to be adaptive. You have to be comfortable with like like instability, right? And yeah. um, so I I think that was kind of like a big takeaway for me. I thought it was just kind of like. Yeah, you're 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 gonna constantly be looking for gigs, and then you're gonna go to those gigs, and then rinse and repeat kind of thing. But yeah, there's there's definitely a like a higher level. Maybe you already knew this because you're like in the industry. No, but I I never thought about it that way, and I think it's a really good observation that when you're an actor, I guess we'll start with acting is you're marketing yourself. And there's a really weird relationship to that because you, I mean, eventually, you know, you can get an agent and maybe a manager, but for the longest time you have to be pushing yourself. You need to have a thick skin. I mean, I I submit all the time for castings on Actors Mm -hmm. Access and like very rarely hear back. And then when you do hear back, you have to do a self-tape and I've never heard anything from the self-tapes. And it's just a numbers game. And when you think about like if you have a business, maybe you can disassociate a little bit like the product, the product that you're hustling for. But when it's like it's you, when it's you are the product, there I think that there's a very difficult – it can be very difficult. I can see that. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Because yeah. if it's – sorry, yeah, no, you go. No, go for it. Go for it. Well, I was going to say like if it's, oh, why aren't my um, – you know, why are my fidget spinners not selling? Yeah. That's one question. Why am I – why does no one want to book me? Mm-hmm. I mean that's a whole different – Mm-hmm. That's a whole different thing to consider. So Ooh, it's yeah. I, I know a lot of actors and writers, and it's it it's a very emotionally challenging business, I would say. Oh yeah. I like now that you just like put that in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, like so many other questions that I would have asked Minji about yeah. that. It's just kind of like how do you maintain that healthy detachment? Because that sounds really hard. It's like yeah, it sounds like it's like dating, you know, where it's like, why didn't mm. I get like a callback or, or you know, something like that. Yeah. And it's it's you that you are, yeah, like you're the product. Oh my gosh. Well, you 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 realize pretty quickly with acting that I mean, 
Minji sounded like she had a very healthy outlook on yeah. the way that she manages all of the things that she does. Mm-hmm. But you learn pretty quickly that a lot of the times with acting, when you don't get the role, it has nothing to do with your abilities. You could have had the right. self-tape of your life. People could yeah. be sobbing watching yeah. it, you know. It might not be what they're looking for. Right. You know, and so mm-hmm. you never really know, but it's you know, so many young people have the dream of being actors. And I can't imagine mm-hmm. I, I I couldn't imagine having the right mental outlook and balancing all that rejection as a young person. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that that seems really difficult. Yeah, like I, I don't know if you remember, but at the top of the show when you were doing the segue. And mm. you're like, like uh, about like you know, like Aries getting like into like actressing or acting yeah. or something like that. And I like went, oh no, like that. W- that's like always my immediate reaction to, like, thinking about performing because it's yeah. it's such a vulnerable kind of perspective and or kind of position, and and so it's always interesting to me when I meet people such as yourself who who are very comfortable with the performing side, but identify as being more introverted and, mm. and you know, like, like, because your energy always comes across as like, like not extroverted, but like energetic. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and like the, the boldness to be able to perform the be like the boldness to be able to like get in front of people and like be vulnerable with that, with whatever performance you're doing. And so, like that, that that's really interesting too to like kind of like just see as part of that experience of being an actor, um, just any like even just in that industry, it feels like yeah. There's a lot of vulnerability in that industry, but I think it's kind of funny you saying all this because as as we're talking right now, this is very meta. You are performing. You are being vulnerable. Uh, don't even say that. This is gonna get in her head. This is gonna get in I her know. head. But <laughs> I, but like you, when you ask questions, you're accessing a vulnerable part of yourself to be curious about people. So, not to like break your brain right now on this, but <laughs> I, you know, I it's the things we're all capable of. I mean, it's. Um, but I mean, this is. I feel like we've heard this with a few of our guests now. And it just keeps on repeating itself to me, which is so many of these jobs that I think get romanticized a bit, um, like mm. acting and even yoga coaching and mm-hmm. uh, and being a pastor. Like there's this operational mm. side of all of these jobs and logistics side of all of these jobs that you just don't see. It's behind the scenes. And there's very few purely artistic jobs or maybe, I mean, well, where mm. you don't have to consider marketing. You don't have to consider, mm. you know, uh, financial literacy to where, like, how do you make ends meet between gigs? Um, do You know, there's always more than just the passion of that artistic thing. Yeah. That these people always exude. Right. Yeah, there's, like, the business side of things that needs to line up, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then would – I mean, I know you're already kind of doing a lot of this, but like, do you see yourself doing more of it? Like, like how Minji's doing where it's like filmmaking, like writing, you're already writing, you know, like we're already podcasting. So yeah, I mean, the only thing I've had 
aspirations to do filmmaking too. Mm. I just, the, the, the hurdle I'm very uneasy jumping over with that one is asking for money or putting yourself on a financial, uh, risk to fund it yourself because Mm -hmm. so many shorts are not going to generate money. You know, best best you could hope for is you get into a film festival and that gives you some credibility to then, you know, get booked to mm-hmm. do – you know, it's it, it's interesting. But I do think uh, it's really important to note – this is just important to me at least – is as we're recording this right now, like SAG-AFTRA is on strike, WGA mm-hmm. is on strike. And so mm-hmm. I – you know, I don't want to – take away uh, like i'm i'm not in either of those unions but i think what they're all fighting for is really important and so i just i i'm mindfully taking a step back from like thinking about those careers knowing that there's a lot changing right now and uh, uh-huh. um and i yeah i want to be supportive of what they're going through and then maybe thinking about how i could be a part of those things down the line but right now i think i'm just focusing on like writing writing my little yeah. stories. Mhm. Mhm. That's great. Yeah, the other the other kind of highlight of this episode is going to be hustle culture. <laughs> when hustle you said culture. Hustle, hustle, hustle I, culture. I I swear my headphones are giving me such a headache right now. I'm going to return <laughs> these. I they don't work are these and new? I'm not going to Yeah. I got them because oh, okay. the other ones that I had were in like had an insane broken like microphone right out here. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I'm going to spare the company's name, but I am going to try to return them because they, they kind of glitch out and like my temples are just like throbbing. So when I was I doing Hussle culture, first mm-hmm. off, I don't think I said that clear. Like every time I said Hussle, I couldn't say culture, right? So it was like Hussle culture. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to edit this episode and I'm just going to like, I'm going to be cringing so much. Right. No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but that's just what hustle culture is all about, folks. Exactly. It's very Canadian. It. Not to like it is. Oh yeah. Oh, don't you know? Hustle culture is all about. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Canadians. I'm sorry. All right. Well, maybe we should wrap then, so your head doesn't implode. Yeah. Let's let's call it a day on that one. Um. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways. Thanks so much for joining, folks. This has been another episode of So What Do You Do? I am one of your hosts, Jen. And I'm Joyce. And we will see you next time. Goodbye.